0: hey there welcome to board game hot takes the podcast where we give our immediate reactions to the hottest board games just minutes after playing them my name's tim and this is chris this is adam and today instead of covering a game that we just finished playing uh, we did just finish playing a pretty great game but we're not going to cover that tonight instead we're going to talk about the top 10 games of all time according to us at this moment. Basically talk about the top ten games that each of us have picked for tonight. Basically of all time means within the last two hours
1: that we <laughs> <laughs>
0: quick top ten. <laughs> so obviously disclaimers, uh we have there's a lot of games that neither of none of us have played at this point. There's a lot of games that each of us have not played. So that's it there's a lot of people that are gonna have different preferences. Also um yeah so our our lists are probably going to be very different. So we all have different ideas of what the top 10 is. Well, speak for yourself, Tim. As of
1: today, I played every single game on Board Game Geek. Wow, amazing! Yeah, a few times,
0: and I've I remember enough to objectively compare all of them. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, Adam, since you've played every game on Board Game Geek, how did you possibly go about picking your top ten best games of all time list?
1: Oh, well, it actually turns out I've probably played about 200 total different board games, so not quite every game on Board Game Geek, but almost mm-hmm. all the important ones. <laughs> I went to PubMeeple and I said a few, fil- selected a few filters and it spat out uh, about 168 games at me. I looked at that list of games and picked maybe my top 20 or 25 off the top of my head that looked like, yeah, these are the ones I want to play. And then I just compared those 20 or 25 to get a top list. And then I just took the top 10 of those. And I kind of went based on the games that I most want to play right now at this moment so it's not like a hall of fame like this isn't Cooperstown for me we're talking about it's just games that
2: I want to play right now did you fully automate it Adam I mean did you go through this process and then take the output and then use that or did you tweak it further I just used the output
1: I think um yeah I didn't tweak it. I, I just looked at it and I was like yeah that you know that looks about right that's it feels right to me how about you Chris how'd you do it
2: I did something very similar I uh I took the games that i had rated on board game geek and i took everything that was say eight or higher which i think is actually something that tim had done similar and i got the idea from him but i took that and i put hey, those don't give up my sister <laughs> shorter <laughs> podcast than i chris is going to say everything um <laughs> so i i put those in pub Meeple and did something similar to what you did adam but then after getting the output from that it occurred to me that it, th- that's just a flawed system and by no fault of the model. I mean, models are inherently flawed, but one flaw of that system is it can take into consideration emotional things like when you're going through this process. And for those who haven't done it, basically what it does, is you put your games in and it flashes two games on a screen, which one would you rather play? And you keep going until it gives you a, a model output. And what I found myself doing as I was going through that process was thinking, well, I might want to play this game, but I might want to play that one depending on the mood that I'm in, or I can't really answer that question because one is a 20 minute deck builder and the other one is a three hour epic, you know, civilization building game. And you just can't compare those two. And there may be games that I want to play this one, not because it's a better game, but because it's one that I haven't played in a long time, or I have only played once and I thought it was kind of cool. And maybe if I played it 10 more times, I'd say, wow, this sucks or it's really great. Who knows? But so there's a lot of things in hey, there. Chris, where did Australia end up on your list? It didn't. Even, it didn't make the list. <laughs> and the part of the reason it didn't make the list, even though I'm fascinated, I want to play that game again because I don't think I gave it a fair shake. But I don't have enough data to put it on a list like this. So, but yeah. So mm-hmm. I, so I, I took the the output and then I tweaked it more. And try to accommodate for things like you know there are some games that are really short games that are simple games, but I but I like them and I want to add them in there even though they're not the kind of things I would think about for an epic game night. So that was that was kind of the approach that I took. What about you, Tim? So
0: I also used Pub And hey, I'm I'm curious. Do you guys know Pub um, is apparently a podcast? I think right. So th- th- it's like this is like a tool that some podcasters put together. Have you guys ever listened to the Pub Meeple podcast? Mm -mm, No, I have not. Me neither. Maybe I should try that sometime because it's a nice service. Anyway, they have some cool tools on their website and I use the same comparison tool, but I wasn't as smart as you guys because what I did is I pulled everything that was rated an 8.0 or higher off BoardGameGeek, which ended up being, I think, 67 games. Wait, hold on a second. I got the list right here. It is 59 games. So everything that I rated an 8.0 or higher on BoardGameGeek was 59 games, and then I just compared them all, which took, I don't know, something like several hundred comparisons to get to that point and i probably should have looked at the list first and just excluded a whole bunch that i knew wasn't going to make my top 10. so you have a top 59 list i have a top 59 list sitting right in front of me and sitting right at the bottom of that list are all the items that i then quickly relabeled to a seven on board
2: (laughs) when i realized i didn't really like them well that's one way to do it
0: i did the same thing and then i ended up with my top 10 and i just kept it i just left it where it is and the way i kind of thought about it as i was thinking sitting right there. What do I want to play today? And so that's why I think this list is very flexible. I think if we'd done this list a year ago, it would look completely different. And if I did it in two weeks, it would probably be even a little bit different. I think it's a really fun exercise. I'm excited to talk about it. The list I came up with were games that I really love. So the, the top 10 belongs there, I think, but it could have been the top 20, maybe even the top 25. I could probably any of those games could have showed up on my list and I would have been fine with it. But the top 10 are definitely some games I'm pretty excited about. Why don't we jump in and start going through this list? And we're going to start from 10 and work our way backwards to one. Who wants to start? I'll go first. Adam, like, how many crossovers do you think you have with me? And how many do you think you have with Chris, if any? So, Tim, with you, I think I have, I'm going to say two. Okay. Say two only. Okay. And then with
1: Chris, I think I have. Probably also two, maybe three. I'll go three with Chris.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, what about you? Yeah. So I think I've got two with you, Adam. I think I agree with that. Okay. I think I've got two with you and I think I've got three with Chris. Interesting. Chris
2: is the glue that binds us together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think Adam, I think you and I probably share taste a little bit more than I do with Adam. So, or excuse me, with Tim. So, I'm going to say that you and I have maybe three, and Tim and I probably have two, which I think is similar to what you guys are saying. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Well, we'll see. I could see, actually, I could see I might have three with Adam. That'd be interesting. I might Mm -hmm. have three, maybe even four with Adam, believe it or not. Really? And I might have three with Chris. I might have four with Chris, too. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Well, let's get started, Adam. So, what is the number 10 best game of all time out of all the games on Board Game Geek that you've played? The number 10 game for me... Is Blood Rage, as
1: Chris would say. <laughs> blood Rage. I was introduced to this game by you guys, and I love it. I love the drafting. I love getting third or fourth place every single time that we play. This game is just great. You're trying to draft these little miniature monsters to come out there and fight battles for you. They all have different powers. You can kind of decide which strategy you want to go down if you want to try this de- die-all-the-time low-key strategy, which none of us have tried yet. You try to get air control in the middle, get all these points, move up your things. All the strategies I've tried or looked at, again, have failed, but I still
0: love this game so much. That's my number 10,
1: Blood Rage. Blood Rage! So
0: I, I'll, just, I'll give away that it's not on my top 10, but because I have my top 59 of all time here, where do you guys think it falls <laughs> in my top 59? Because it is on this list. 20. i would say number
2: 18, yeah, 18, 19, 20. So. Okay, I'm
0: actually, it's at 26. But it is my top-rated oh, dudes
2: on a map or uh, meeples on a map. Game, wow, I, I think and dudes on a map only made it to 26. Holy cow!
1: I know there's so much space in that top 25 for a lot of
0: Victorian-themed games. <laughs> I have I have some others that might fall into that meeple on a map kind of category, but I think they're a little more Euro than what I would consider a meeple on a map game. Chris, what do you have for your number 10?
2: All right, I completely. Cheated like crazy on this one, and I actually do not have one number 10, but I use number 10 as my sort of collection place for games that either didn't make my top 10 but should have made my top 10 for one reason or another, or games that didn't really belong in the top 10 of all time, but I feel like I had to include them in there for one reason or another. <laughs> Can you make some more second. caveats? Wait, should we just go to top 15 or don't something? Worry. Like, what do we do? No, 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 no. This is and don't and don't worry. <laughs> I I am not going to spend a full amount of time on each game, but I felt like I needed to have this catch-all category at number 10. So I'll just, I'll do that really quickly. Number one of my number 10 was Batman Gotham City Chronicles. It's a game that I I lust after. I mean, I want to live inside the box of this game. It's got, oh, I love the minis. I love the huge boards. I love the stories. I, I just love everything about this game, but I haven't played it enough to truly say that it is, a top 10 game for me, but it has to be on the list just because I spend so much time thinking about wanting to play it. What do you going to say, Tim?
0: I think Chris gives the, uh, he gets some sympathy ratings for how much money he spent on Batman Gotham City Chronicles, that it has to be on his list.
2: <laughs> and I, I don't regret a penny of it. Number two on that at number 10 was Rap Gods. It's a game that we just played. It's fresh in my mind. It was so much fun. It was so clever, and it was it was humorous. I just want to play that game again so bad, but I've only played it once, so I only got one data point, so it's one that I, I couldn't really put. I don't know if it belongs in the top 10, because I should play it a couple times before I say that, but it's it's enough in my mind that I felt like I needed to include that.
1: Chris, yeah. the Rap Gods is freaking awesome. I just want to say that. Yeah. But I'm interested in your number 10, subsection 3, paragraph B, line 12. Pick.
2: <laughs> What's next? What's next is Wingspan. It's a game that doesn't excite me that much anymore, but I love it. It's a game that I'll sit down and I will play anytime, but it's not one that I say, hey, let's get Wingspan out right now because I just got to get on that. Because I played it so many times and it's a wonderful game. It's beautiful, but I played it so much that it's not at the top of my list very similar answer for the game parks which is also on there it's a beautiful game i enjoy playing it i'll always say yes to playing parks but it's not one i pull out all the time because of that same thing i've played it so many times that it's gotten a little bit old for me and then last is cthulhu death may die which i haven't played in forever i just recently got it out of storage uh when i you know got into my new house and that one belongs on the list because it is the only co-op game That I truly love it's actually a game that my my wife has zero interest whatsoever in anything horror or science fiction related and she actually loves playing death may die with me it's it's a fun game super duper exciting uh, minis and I love the psychosis track that uh, gets you more and more powerful as you get closer and closer to dying so. That's cool. That is my list of, uh, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, five or six top 10 games And number 10. <laughs> number 10. I think games. that
0: was four. But hey, uh, just so you know, Cthulhu Death May Die surprised the heck out of me because it ended at number 19 on my list of all time. So, wow. Uh, yeah, excellent game. And it will not seem anything like anything else that's on my list at all today. So hmm. I was kind of surprised, Chris. I would have expected that to be in your actual top 10 and not your not your fake top 10.
2: (laughs) Well, what? so what about your number 10, Tim? All right,
0: so my number 10 surprised the heck out of me as well because this one is the one that I would never have expected to show up in my top 10 uh, out of this whole list. The rest of the list I'm not surprised by, but this one surprised me. And this is Beyond the Sun by Dennis K. Chan. And Beyond the Sun is a newer game to me. I've played it a half a dozen times, came out late 2020. The first play of it, uh, I was pretty disappointed mainly by the production of it. and I was a little let down by it. Second play, liked it a little bit more, still had some problems with it. Now I just absolutely love it and I think about it all the time and can't wait for the expansion with the solo mode to come out and some new changes to it. But I, I I love this game. So when I was comparing, you know, games against all these other games that I love, every time I was like, yeah, I want to be playing Beyond the Sun. It surprised me that it showed up in my top 10 list, but right now it's it's a game that's definitely on my mind and I want to keep playing it.
2: I'm kind of shocked. I mean, the one thing I remember from our review of that game is one of you, and I don't, maybe it was you, Tim, said it looks like a print and play.
0: Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I, I, I hated the production at first, and now it, it doesn't bother me anymore. And it does still look like a print and play in a lot of ways. It looks like a prototype. It doesn't bother me. I, I like the gameplay so much that I'm completely fine with it. So I love the game.
1: I love the game. I love the shoddy production. I don't know if it's shoddy. It looks like Excel spreadsheets for the player math, but they're dual layered and you have the (laughs) the circles, the chunky circles for the resources and stuff. And I love the game so much. It's my number nine. Beyond the Sun is my number nine. Nice. Nice lead
0: in right right away. There's our first. Let's see. And I wasn't even counting that one as one of my two tie crossovers with you. So that.
1: Yeah. I didn't think that would be in your top 10, but awesome. Nice. If I didn't say it already, that does have spaceships on a map. Tim, so i don't know if that counts as yeah i don't know i wouldn't count that yeah as a, totally it as a as a does meeples on oh, the map barely like, like hybrid kind of this area control thing and the action selection it's fantastic the
0: technology tree i love it beyond the sun dennis k chan rio grand games that's my number nine nice hey adam let me ask you a question mm-hmm. 10 best games of all time do you own these 10 games? Do you have a copy, a physical copy of these 10 games at your house right now? I do not own number 10 or number nine. Let me see. Of the ones in my top 10, I own five of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think number 10 is that It, it kind of, you know, seeing that on my list, I'm like, I better pick up a copy of Beyond the Sun. I think that's the only one on my list that I don't own today. And I was going to buy it, and then it sold out, and then the price went up by like 30, 40 bucks. Wow. And man. I was like, well, I better wait till the reprint. So, yeah, I think Rio Grande said they've got a reprint coming. So, yeah, it a, a real much longer, but I, I think I'll be picking it up too once it's available. Yep. Cool. Hey, Chris, what's your number? What, what's your actual start of your top 10 list at number nine?
2: At number nine <laughs> is Not Beyond the Sun. Number nine is uh, Scythe. And that was one of the ones that I wasn't quite sure where that belonged on the list. So, I kind of let the. The model drive my answer on that one. But Scythe is is one of the first games that I ever learned to love. You you introduced me to that game. And it was, I think, the first immersive world building type of game that I ever played. It The concept and the art of that game tipped me off to what modern hobby strategy type board gaming could be in a really immersive type of world building scenario. And for that, I love this game forever. It also has great gameplay mechanics. Uh, it is not my favorite dudes on a map game, but there are a lot of things that I really like about it, which probably why it made it to nine, but wasn't higher than that. But certainly, if I was just basing it on concept and world building, it would be higher in the list. But yeah, the gameplay mechanics in there, which I don't love quite as much, and it made it to nine.
0: That's really interesting, Chris, because Scythe is also my number nine. Oh my god, crossover? Um, this is like, our lists are all going to be interconnected. <laughs> wow. We're all, they're going to be the same exact <laughs> No, I don't think, I think they're going to diverge a little bit from here. Scythe to me is, is very much a Euro game, and it's a very thematic Euro, and I think that you're going to find a, a heavy theme with most of my list. It's mid to heavyweight Euros that are at least thematic. You know, they're not dry, trading in the Mediterranean. They have theme to them. And Scythe was one of the first ones I was introduced to as well. I wasn't sure where this is going to show up on my list because if I if you'd asked me a year ago, it probably would have been in the top two, three, somewhere in there. And I love this game. I I love some of the experiences I've had with it. The Rise of Fenris campaign is a really fantastic experience. But the reality is, is that the gameplay itself has a couple things that don't get me excited. Kind of a slow, dry buildup to the kind of the climax of the game. And I think the game ends too quickly and it just always feels like, hey, I built all this stuff up and now it's over and we'll just count up the points and see where it goes. So a couple of things that have dinged it for me after many, many plays, but I still look forward to playing it some more. And when I was comparing it to other games, I was still like, yeah, I'd rather play side than that and that and that. So it's still on my top 10. I don't know if it's going to stay there forever, but it's it's still a game that's close to my heart and I still love it and appreciate it.
1: Chris, if you would go you know, back to earlier, Chris, in life, the last, I don't know, five years since you've been playing hobby, deeper strategy board games, was Scythe ever in your top five, your top three? Was it ever your number one?
2: Well, the first time I played it, I think it probably was my number one because it was one of the first games I'd ever played. Okay. Um, no, it was probably higher until I started experiencing some other ones. And one thing that Tim said that I thought was really interesting was you characterized this not as a dudes on a map game, but you characterized it as yeah. a... A resource management game and I, in a, um, a worker placement. And I thought, I think that's really interesting because we've seen games where there is a uh, beyond the sun. There's a little bit of dudes on a map kind of off in a corner on that one. This one's almost the opposite that the worker placement is on your little solo board, similar to Australia, but the big board is kind of like the centerpiece of the whole thing. And it's the big board where the dudes on the map happens but you have the small worker placement off to the side rather than vice versa, which we've seen in some other games. And I think that that's a really interesting idea.
0: Yeah, I wanna jump in here and I did not categorize it as worker placement. And I wanna be really clear because I think I have a different definition of, of worker placement than you do. And for me, worker placement is a game where literally you take an action by taking one of your workers and putting it on a specific space on the map and you do that action. That's worker placement to me. I think you're categorizing worker placement as like your own resource gathering type of stuff this does have workers. It does have meeples, but it's not used in a, in a traditional worker placement mode. That being said, Chris, I agree. I mean, there is definitely a, like a, a dudes on a map, you know, it could fit into that category, but it just doesn't feel like that at all to me. It's, it's not a main, it's, it's like, how many battles do you even get in the game? Maybe, maybe there's three or four or five in the whole game. So it's there, it's like more of a cold war. I'm going to you know, make sure that I can pr- protect myself. Maybe once in a while I'll exploit somebody or go for that end game point and then I'll attack somebody. But there's so little attacking in this game, sometimes none, that I just don't consider it a dudes on a map game in the same way.
2: Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think I misspoke when I said um, worker placement. It really it really is not that. I think I was just intending to say that it was more of a resource management game. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's
0: it. cool. I understand what you're saying. Cool.
1: Well, but. To so Chris's defense, I will say it skirts that line, that little edge of the gray area where you are grabbing your action pawn and putting in one of your available spots, but there's really no competition from other players or lacks a lot of the things that some other worker placement can include. Yeah.
0: I agree. All right. Let's jump on. Let's jump. I I know we'll see Scythe on on Adam's (laughs) list a little bit further up, but no, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't think I don't think we're going to see Scythe on Adam's list. Adam, what's your, uh, what's your number eight? My number eight, this is kind of a cheat because I've taken it out of the box,
1: played with the components, taken pictures of it, showed it to you guys and played one game of it with myself as three different players. And that is Kimmet blood and sand by madigo games based on reputation and esteem and the, the components and the minis and the, the fact that i love troops on a map and mi- miniatures and cthulhu's on the maps and anything on a map really um, so that's Kimmet blood and sand madigo one that i haven't really played total cheat it's at number eight so that just totally delegitimizes my entire list and any credibility i have but, but i'm sticking to it don't and, uh, don't worry adam you never uh, had any credibility before this list either so
2: that's deserved. yeah I, I feel like you should have probably taken that game clumped it in with five other random things and put it to your number 10 that probably would have been the right thing to do <laughs> what is your number eight Uh, Chris, your legitimate number eight. My legitimate number eight is actually, thanks to you, Adam, it's Eclipse Second Dawn for the Galaxy. Nice. And that is, that's another one of these games that I will always say yes to. That's one I will ask for. Unfortunately, we, we play such a variety of different games that we don't get to play some of these as often as I'd like to. And that's one of them. It feels like an epic adventure every time I play it. And it makes me sweat. It makes my heart pound. When we start playing a game of Eclipse, I start getting nervous. And that's a, I mean, that's pretty damn cool. That's like watching a good movie, you know, a good horror movie, a good sci-fi movie. And the tension that it builds is absolutely amazing. I would say that there's a lot of that that has to do with the battles, although I usually end up getting my butt handed to me in the big battles. So I, I pretty much have gotten over the feeling of nerves there because I know I'm going to get killed, but for so many of the other things that sends attention that it builds i think is absolutely epic and i i love playing the game for that reason what about you tim well let me ask you a question oh
0: sure where do you guys think eclipse second dong for the galaxy fell in my top 59 games of all time eight it's got to be your number one or number two probably <laughs> well i'm not going to give that away no it's not in my top 10. 11. uh number 11. okay no it's it's at 33 so it's a bit higher uh, and i uh, well here's you, the tim? thing i don't even well, know you the, anymore here's the thing right and This is going to change day by day. That was a challenge because they came up against a lot of games where it was a hard choice for me because I do still love that game. And it has flaws for me. And it's not a game that I want to play all the time. But just thinking about it here, I'm like, yeah, I'd love to play that. I'd love to play it next week. In fact, I went to like a game pub for the first time this last week and they started out the morning with a, a game market so people could come there and sell their games that they want to. Hmm. And somebody was sitting there with their game market. I showed up right at the end of that part so I could get into some games and somebody's sitting there on their market and there's a big old Eclipse second dong for the Galaxy box with like an add on box. I don't know if it was the it might have been the um, neoprene mat or something there. And I was so tempted to just go buy it right there. But what was he selling it for? He was selling it for 250 for, I think, just for the main box, which I don't know what the Kickstarter went for. 150 is a good price, man. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So I, I know it's out of print right now, but I'm sure they're going to print it again. But I was tempted, right? I mean, I, I like it enough to actually think about adding it to my collection, because I think it's such an epic, cool experience. Even if I don't want to play it all the time, that I just feels like something I, you know, it, it's important to me. It's actually a game that I really love. So I'm not surprised it's on your list, Chris, and... uh that's cool. That's a, it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. What's your number eight? Damn. All right. My number eight. This is another one that surprised me, not because it's on my list, but, but because of how low it is on my list. And that's Underwater Cities by Vladimir Suki and Rio Grande Games. Isn't this the... Is this the Abba of board games? <laughs> that what this game Wait, what does that mean? I think it was the Belva de of board games. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, uh, so I think the reason why it's dropped for me a little bit because the, the the thing that really that I love about this game is the mechanism of having a, a you know handful of three cards and having to pick one action spot to go to and match the color on the card and get the bonus of that card and I just love that like restriction of I want to get both things. the the bonus is going to change every round and am i going to have the right bonus to match with the action i need to take before someone else takes it it works so well and i think it would still be higher on my list except that there are two other games that i played that came out this year that do something similar i'm not going to mention one of them because it's going to be a little bit higher on my list but lost ruins of arnak has kind of a similar mechanism where you're trying to match up the location symbol on your card with the worker placement spot you have to take and it's not as interesting Lost Ruins isn't as interesting as Underwater Cities in that aspect, and that's probably why it didn't make it on my list. In any case, there's another game that made it a little bit higher that I think takes that thing that's the favorite thing about that game for me and then does a bunch of other stuff that I love even more. So when I think about playing a game with that type of mechanism, this other game just, it it beats it out a little bit. So I still love Underwater Cities, but I I could kind of see this dropping off my list next year. I think that there's Mm -hmm. enough, because that mechanism is not so unique anymore, there's enough other things about that game that feel very traditional Euro that there are other games that do, that do about it better. So I can see Underwater Cities dropping a little bit. I think I'll always still love playing this game, but um, I think it's just not, not quite unique enough anymore. Interesting. So, um, all right. Well, Adam, what's your number seven? My number seven is a game that I used
1: to own and then it was out of print and it got hot. So I sold it for a little bit of profit only because there was rumors of an upcoming Kickstarter. The game is Soul, Last Days of a Star, that's by Elephant Labs. This game, we've played it once, and I think the mod we used might have been a little outdated or rough, but you guys got the gist. The theme to me is amazing. You and some other factions are in orbit around this dying star, and there's going to be a certain amount of solar flares before the star goes supernova, and you're not quite sure, you know how many flares there's going to be, but you're not quite sure when that last flare is going to happen and allow the person with the most energy to escape the orbit and cruise off and save their civilization. You guys share the same space on the map, all the players do, and you're using each other's resources. So it's kind of neat. You have to kind of build strategically and the owner of the resource gets a bonus, this and that. So it's just a unique. The theme is fantastic. The components are amazing. And I was talking with with Rick Lorenzen, one of the, our friends on Twitter. And he was saying he has like kind of a romanticism for games he doesn't get to play enough. And I agree with that. I think this game falls in that category. I don't I want to play it because I haven't gotten to play it enough. I want to discover more and see what else is in that game because it feels like it has a lot more. So that's one of the reasons, aside from being a great game,
0: that soul, Last Days of a Star, is at my number seven spot. This was a really interesting game for me because the production's amazing on it. The theme just fits. There's something about the game that feels a little abstract, but it doesn't make sense why it would be abstract because everything is just so thematic in it. We we played two games of this one night and it did not hit with me at all. I, I just did not enjoy that play experience and I don't know why because it seems like everything should work really well. Maybe just not enough tactical choices to make. It was It was... I don't know. That's not even true. I don't know why it didn't hit with me. I'd love to try it again at some point because I know how much you love this game and it it just seems like it should work really well Um, and it didn't for me on my first couple plays. But I'd, I'd be happy to try it again. I remember one of your critiques. I think you said you felt like you didn't have enough agency
1: maybe or... I don't know if that's right or if that sounds right. I can't. I got a list of tapes. Check it out. Yeah,
0: I don't remember that conversation about that. Yeah, some, something about it didn't hit with me, but I'd be happy to try try sure. it again at some point. It's funny that. You, so, did you know? Is there definitely going to be another Kickstarter at this point? Yeah.
1: So the creator is uh, Elephant Labs. Are making a game called Organism, which is looks mm-hmm. amazing. If you haven't heard of that, go check it out. So, as part of that Kickstarter, they're going to have. So the last days of a star available for a reprint
0: and you just thought you could sell your current version for more do you think there's gonna be something better about the second you know the the reprint of it no i just it was i never was playing okay. it even though i loved it but you really need four
2: or five yeah.
1: players i think to have a good time at it because there is so much shared incentive and shared resources they the more the more the merrier with that yeah. game uh, so i think i sold it at you know just as it was getting hot it was going for a little more money so i'm you know nickel and diming the game the board game (laughs) stock market here for whatever
2: reason all right yeah, this is the first game that anybody's brought up that i have really zero familiarity with but i'm looking at a picture of it right now on board game geek and that just looks like a really cool game
1: yeah that was one of the things that drew me in was the artwork and the table presence and the components it's i think you will be charmed by the components chris but then you might end up hating the game but you might end up liking it too i don't know Hmm. i have no good sense it's so thematic and cool that you might, you might enjoy it. I'd be interested to hear your take. Anyway, what's your number
2: seven, Chris? My number seven is a game that we have spent a lot of airtime on. So I don't know that there's that much to say about it tonight, but it is Terraforming Mars, which is, I believe one of the first, if not the first hobby games that I ever bought. I bought it at Tim's recommendation a few years ago when I was first getting into the hobby. And it's a game that we've played many, many times. I've played it long before COVID and we were playing it online, we were playing it live. And I can't even guess at how many times we played it, but it's a lot. Probably the game, one of the games that I played more than any other on this list. And I've never gotten bored of it. I know that you guys, or at least one, I think Tim, you have said that this game is sort of losing some of its luster for you and it's getting a little bit older. That's never happened to me. There's something about this game that I just really dig in a deep way. And I think, A big part of that is about just the gameplay is so solid and so deep. And it's a very beautiful game once you get aftermarket pieces. I mean, the stuff that comes (laughs) with it is is pretty much straight garbage. But if you buy the aftermarket pieces or if you buy something like the the big box that just came out on Kickstarter, which I should be receiving the day after tomorrow, then it can be a very beautiful game with a really, really nice table presence. But the cards and the variety and the corporations... All add a lot and keep it fresh. I've never actually played with any of the expansions, except, I believe, the the map expansion, which, which, Tim, you had given me as a gift at one point. So I'm looking forward at some point to trying some of those expansions, and I imagine that'll add even more depth to it. But that's a game that I can just keep playing and playing. So
1: this is the game for me that was one of my first games and my first introductions in the hobby board game, strategy games. But for me, it's one of those ones that's kind of retired off to Cooperstown. It's not one of those ones that I'm like, Dang, I need to play this right now. But would I ever turn down a game of Terraforming Mars? No, I'm so familiar with it. And like I said, it is in my Hall of Fame. I love playing this game. And it's that familiarity is just such a nice feeling. I think it's kind of like you guys have talked about with Tapestry, which might Mm -hmm. be on your guys' list. But Terraforming Mars, love the game.
0: Great pick. Well i'm assuming you're not just trying to trick us here but i'm actually shocked that it's not on your top 10 adam so that would have been one of the ones i would have guessed as a crossover for you ah, but um, you know just because i think you've talked about it how much you you know <laughs> love your plays of and stuff like that but i i understand you know you probably you played over 100 games of it so it gets a little little tired after a little while.
1: Yeah, so if I was doing, like, a greatest games of all time, like, a, I don't know, I guess that's well, what I think. Well, you mean like this tonight. This podcast. <laughs> but this one, you know, it's, like, not one that I have that urge to play right now. These other ones, I'm sure. like, I, wanna, I want that right now. I want to play that game. So that was yeah. kind of my criteria.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. Chris, yeah, I after our last play, I said it felt like, okay, so I was about to drop it from a 10 to a 9 on my BGG rating. And then I played another game with Adam recently, and I moved it back up to a 10. And I just got nice. the board game I got I got the big box with all the new components and every expansion and I'm so excited to play it right now. I think it's actually sitting at a ten (laughs) point five on my VPG rating. So that does
2: warm my heart a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I love this game you might hear about it a little bit later on my list. Not at number seven. So number seven what's your number seven. So what is your number seven? Number seven for me, it was actually I've I've labeled this as my the most fun I've ever had playing a board game and my favorite board game experience of all time. And this is Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated. Wow. And I think the only reason that this doesn't sit higher on my list is because it's a legacy game and you get a good 11 games out of it and they were fantastic and fun and there was great story building into it and everything about that experience was awesome. And I've played it several times since, but I'm just not excited to keep playing it post legacy. I would gladly buy another version if somebody wanted to go through another campaign with me and play through it again. I think it's fantastic super fun it's my favorite way to play clank but it's only 11 games and so it's not a game i'm going to keep going back to all the time otherwise it would probably be higher on my list so it was uh it was a hard one to rank i think putting a legacy on here it's kind of like scythe you know if, if scythe the rise of fenris was the experience for scythe and that's what i could play over and over again was this big epic story campaign with the progression and unlocking new things scythe probably would have been higher on my list as well but clank legacy acquisitions Incorporated is still a fantastic experience if you can get some friends together to play 10, 10 or 11 games in a row and you don't mind pausing in the middle of the game to read some story elements that are hilarious and funny and a, and a blast, then you should definitely check this game out. It's it's a ton of fun.
2: You know, it, Tim, it's really interesting because in a moment of like really rare complete agreement between us, <laughs> I actually think that I completely agree that that was one of the most fun experiences I ever had with a board game too. And for the same reason that you had, which is the fact that it's a legacy game, it didn't make it, well, it didn't make it high on my list. It didn't make it in my top 10. Mm-hmm. But that's the only reason. Yeah. It's because of the legacy nature of it. But absolutely, that was one of the most fun games, the most fun experiences that I've ever had. I completely agree.
0: Right on. And also, by the way, I think this is the only game that you wouldn't consider a thematic euro on my game because you know clank legacy does have a Hmm. couple euro mechanisms but not really it's it's a it's a fun push your luck story based deck building game so it's it doesn't really fit with everything else on my list but it's a blast and i absolutely love it cool cool uh my number six you guys ready it's let's do it gonna
1: be one you guys have heard before i've talked about one of the one of the episodes it is baseball highlights 2045 this is a deck building game by mike fitzgerald and eagle griffin games it's so thematic you're you're given a ball club and at first it's a bunch of chumps like minor leaguers or veterans that are just trying to make it in the big leagues. And as the season goes on, you're drafting these other players from this pool of cards that have names and skills based on real baseball players or more likely actually all of them are like two baseball players names combined, or it's like Cyberbot 10,000. So it's a weird mix of nostalgia, baseball and cyborgs and robots uh, playing together in some futuristic league. In your deck building, having a good time, playing series, you build a a nice, strong baseball team. By the end of it, you feel like a lot more powerful than you started. It's a fun game. Play it with my dad while the Dodgers are playing in the background. Winning the World Series. (laughs) That's it. Baseball highlights. 2045. That's my number six. By
2: This is the second time that you brought this game up and you've convinced me, I I want to play this game so bad. Well, right.
1: your newfound love for baseball, right? Your son is...
2: uh... (laughs) (laughs) Little league. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the second time you've mentioned it, and you've really convinced me, and I'm looking at it now, and it just looks like a, a super fun game. I will have to get that on the table sometime. It's fun. It's so fun. So my number six is actually, I think, the only game on my list that I haven't played with you guys, but it's Viticulture Essential Edition. And this is a game that is just so elegant. I I, it, I don't even know what to say about it almost. It's, it's so elegant and so intuitive the first time that I played it, I just watched, I didn't even read the instruction book. I just watched the short video, which I believe was by Watch It Played. And after that, I was ready to go because the rules, even though they're not particularly simple, were so intuitive that and so elegant that it was so easy to jump into the game. And it has this very pastoral, calming feel to it, but at the same time is extremely a thematic and and it the, but the theme in this case is so chill and it's making wine and just the feeling of it is so nice. It's like taking a it's like taking a warm bath. And and again, <laughs> the gameplay just really really makes this one stand out. And uh, I think actually I was gonna say nice components, although some of the, a lot of the components I think that I have the metal coins and whatnot are aftermarket. But um, you know I imagine it would be fun. Maybe not quite the same, you know, hand feel kind of. Uh, experience if you didn't have the aftermarket pieces but the little the little glass beads and things I think make it feel really nice. So just overall very nice production, great game, elegant rules, intuitive just a super blast to play.
0: Can I give you guys a little breaking news little news alert about viticulture that I just read this afternoon and that's that um, break it to. so please do there's a, a longer story behind it but Jamie Stegmeyer hinted about some of the content and the new expansion that's coming out for viticulture. And I don't know what else is in it. I don't know if it's got a lot of stuff in the expansion or if this is about it. But one of the things is, you know, there are the mamas and papas cards in the in the game, and it's basically how you Mm -hmm. pick your starting resources. So you draw one, you draw like two cards from the mamas deck and two cards from the papas deck. Mm -hmm. He said that he got feedback from gay folks who were disappointed that they had to pick. A mama and a papa at the beginning of the game hmm. and he said he really took it to heart and he understood that and felt bad that he had made that decision when he created viticulture you know seven years ago or whatever so one of the components in the new uh, the new expansion that's coming out is going to be new mamas and papas cards except that the the papas match the color of the mamas in the original deck and the the mamas match the color of the papas so you would shuffle the deck of of you know, of the same color together on both sides. And when you draw your mamas and papas, you might end up with two papas or a, two mamas or a mama and, pa- and a papa. Um, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool and uh, happy pride month. So that's my little tidbit for um, viticulture that's coming up here.
2: Two quick things about that. One, I think the idea what you just said is incredibly cool. And the other is that I've always gotten a good chuckle out of the art, the people in the this game on the pictures. Because they're so clearly just like Jamie Stegmeier's buddies. <laughs> well, he, he actually he actually spoke to
0: that as well in the same announcement. That it was not his buddies, I found out. It was backwards of the original viticulture game, the Kickstarter. If you bid at a certain level, you could have your art your face in the art of the game. And so most of the <laughs> most of the people that backed, most of the people in the game are white people. And he also said that he always he will, he never did that type of contest mm. again because he didn't get as much diversity in the game as he wanted to. And so this new pack will also have more diversity of characters in the pack. So
2: that is really
0: cool. Interesting. That you mentioned it. I think he named the mamas and papas after his friends. So I think I had read that at some point. So I think the art was based on backers, but in any case, there's my little bit, bit of culture tidbit and we can move on from there. So that was uh, Chris. That was your number six. Yes, it was. All right. So my number six is terraforming Mars. Hey, we just chatted about a little bit with Chris. And um, we all have a little bit of a love for this game. And uh, yeah, just I'm going to go on the record and say that the big box components and storage solution is awesome. Uh, it's one of the better storage solutions I've seen. The plastic inserts are not flimsy. They're just as sturdy as just about any other inserts that you'll see anywhere. Uh, I love the way that they put the little player component trays and the money resource component trays that kind of slide into the side. So they got lids on them. I love how everything works together. I think it's going to be beautiful on the table. Awesome table presence. The little minis in there are awesome. So I'm a big fan of the big box. I think they did a really great job with it, contrary to some of the feedback that uh, has been going around the internet. So Terraforming Mars, number six. Nice, Adam, what's your number five? We're halfway there.
1: My number five is again... Living on a prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Bon Jovi that we're talking about now?
0: It it is, yeah. yeah.
1: Number five is another game that falls into that. Kind of romance on a pedestal. I haven't played it enough. I want to play it some more. Also, I love the theme. This is the Expanse board game by WizKids. This game, I've played it with a few, with a different group online a couple times, and it's just fun. It's kind of like a Twilight Struggle light, but with a theme that's not boring that Chris like lived through. <laughs> um, so, this is about the Expanse IP. That's a TV show and a series of books that I adore that's been out. um, It's now on Amazon. And the ninth and final book is coming out within the next year or so. Card-driven game, area control. There's like three or four different scoring phases. If you're in last place, you get the Rasananti. That's the kind of catch-up mechanism. And the Rasananti is a spaceship that has all these powers, this crew that can give you more points during the scoring phase. Again, this is kind of one if you can lurk just behind everybody and get the Rocinante for that last mm-hmm. round, it puts you in a nice spot to try to take control. Um, I think our group would enjoy this one. Um, that's the Expanse board game by WizKids.
0: I've always wanted to try this. That was uh, Jeff Engelstein uh, design, I think. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, yeah, it, it sounds cool. I, I watched a few episodes of of The Expanse, so I kind of have a very vague premise of the characters and stuff. like. It seems like cool sci-fi. Um, IP. But let me ask you a question, Adam. Is it asymmetric? I, I got the impression that there, there's a decent amount of asymmetry in there.
1: It is. And there's a, a nice expansion to uh, Doors and Corners expansion. So yeah, each faction has a little bit different power. It's not like incredibly crazy asymmetric, but okay. just slightly different enough. And they're all like, they're really cool too. Like Martians have good warships and the, uh, the Protogen tech has access to little stealth ship technologies there's the uh the un has access to like cheaper cars they get more cars for cheap or something like that the belt can get uh, can like get scrap ships or something so they have these little ships that are easier to build because they're really you know they live in space and they know how to make anything
0: run. But it's not as asymmetric as like you wouldn't have to teach us four different games like playing Root or something like that, right? Exactly. Okay. It's not like a Root or anything. Not at okay, all. Yeah. cool. That's, it'll be a blast. I'd love to give that one a shot. Chris, do you know anything about The Expanse? Have you ever watched it or read the books or anything?
2: No, I haven't read the books. I haven't watched the show and I'd never heard of the game until tonight. So I was actually curious because I, I was looking up the game on BGG while you were talking, Adam, and it looks like there is some pictures of some really garbagey pieces and there's some pictures of really cool looking ones and i'm curious what you had to <laughs> say about the uh, physical production of this game
1: the production is pretty trashy the um WizKids is known for their famous production but the their printing is like all kind of dark and the cards are just kind of all dark and muted colors they did come out the doors and corners expansion offers a new board and that board looks a lot more stellar than the original board but it's kind of like dune where you just have cubes a lot of times for your uh your factions for your spaceships and cubes and cards and a map and you can get some aftermarket components
2: that spice it up a little bit but yeah pretty um pretty austere components yeah it must be the aftermarket stuff i'm looking at here it does look cool it's a fun game i think we like it all right chris what's your number five well speaking of dune number five for me is dune imperium which is a game that i've never played in real life uh it's only a game i've played online with you guys which is actually true of a few of the games on here and this is one that is probably so high on my list because it's relatively recent and I haven't played it a bunch. Uh, I don't want to go so far as to say that it would drop if I played it more, because maybe it wouldn't. But it has that feeling of you know early romance where I'm still like really into this game because it's you know it's so new and exciting. Uh, but having said that, there's a lot of stuff to say about this one that really goes to the depth of the game. And first of all, there's the the theme of the whole thing. It's an extremely immersive game, which is one of the things that I love. You really feel like you're there, even though it has kind of that interestingly sparse and very uh, stylized art on some of the some of the parts of the game and the cubes and things like that that you use are not terribly exciting to look at. But the art on the cards is really cool and the art on the board is very cool. And it's also a really interesting combination of game components. or should be not game components, but game mechanisms as well. You've got worker placement. You've got deck building. There's even the the combat piece, which comes in at the end of each round. And all of this works together pretty nicely. And it's interesting having that combination of different mechanisms. If there's one thing that I would say about the game that kind of makes me question a little bit is to some degree, it almost feels like they threw maybe a little bit too much in there and a few more plays that would either prove me right or prove me wrong about that. But as it stands right now, I enjoyed it enough that I put it at number five.
0: It would have to prove you wrong because that's nonsense. (laughs) Yeah. All right just kidding no that's awesome chris yeah you haven't gotten a chance to play it near as much as adam and i
2: have it only gets better yeah i think we should get some more plays in soon we will well we'll find out where it is on you guys list. maybe
0: it's not even on our list chris because
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you're bored of it
0: all right my number five is tapestry by Stonemeyer games Ooh. and designer jamie Stegmeyer, who also designed scythe on my list um, but Tapestry is a game that I just have a blast playing every time I play it. And as I was comparing it against other games, even though I've gotten a lot of plays of this in, it's still exciting to me. It's still I still want to sit down and explore that puzzle and get to see what what civilization I'm starting out with. And every time I'm, I i am we've got a game set up of this, I'm like, okay, I know what I'm going to do this game. I'm going to go up the science track, and I'm going to roll lots of dice, and I'm going to go up this other track. And then the game everything changes on me as soon as I see the first tapestry card that I've got to start with. And as soon as I see what the other players, what tracks they're competing on for the landmarks. So every game, it's like a fun tactical, like, okay, I got to work with what I've got this game. I got to try to solve this puzzle. And I'm going to put all these things together and combo things and get more resources. And And it's just a blast to me. It's just a fun puzzle every single t- time I play it. The um, There's an expansion, uh, Plans and Ploys, I think is the name of it that has a whole bunch more civilizations that I've only gotten to play with a couple times. So there's like a dozen civilizations that I have not even played yet at this point. And I want to explore it more and I want to play it more and just would be happy to play this game at any time. In fact, this was supposed to be what we were playing tonight until Chris had to back out. So we'll probably be playing this one before our next special episode so we can do a double take on it because I still love it. It's uh, number five on my list. After we play it that next time, we'll see if it stays there. It's a fine choice.
1: Moving on. My number four is a game Chris already talked about. And Tim put down, sadly, it's Eclipse <laughs> Second Dawn for the Galaxy. I put it down. <laughs> I said I loved it. I said I almost oh, bought man.
0: it. <laughs> put it down at number 33. It's such, so disappointing. There's a lot of really good games out there.
2: It's not even worth $250 to you, Tim. Come on, get your priorities. <laughs>
1: Eclipse Second Dawn. This game, Chris nailed it, man. That I get my heart gets beating every time when I explore and I flip over the tile I'm hoping for like a two planet one that I can pop you know colonize right away so I can get the edge and build up my ships and slaughter everybody in rule the galaxy. Does not always work out like that, but that's the hope at the beginning of the game. I love this game. From production to gameplay, all the smooth mechanics. Man, I don't know why it's only number
2: four, but there it is. Eclipse second down for the galaxy. We should go play it right now. <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. I'm down.
1: Let's do it. Chris, what's your number
2: four? So my number four, these next few games, this is kind of the well duh part of my list, where all the ones that were in my top four, top, I guess not top five, because Dune is a relatively new one for me. But in my top four, they were all ones that I knew had to be on the list somewhere. And seeing where the computer rated them based on the model, I thought was pretty accurate. And so these I went with straight out. And number four, I can count three. I can't think what the fourth would be. So I'm going to be surprised by interesting. one of these. Well, I'm, I'm curious to hear whether you're right or not. Number four was Blood Rage. Oh, God, I miss Blood Rage. Yeah, Okay, that makes sense. It is Dudes on the Map extraordinaire. And that is, I mean, Dudes on the Map is where my heart lives. I love these games. And I have nothing wrong with resource management. I have nothing wrong with worker placement. I have no beef with any of that. But Dudes on a Map is is truly, that is my jam. And Blood Rage has a lot lot of great stuff going for it. The components are excellent. The minis are cool. It's all the things that you want about a good dudes on a map kind of game. And it's simple to learn. It's got a lot of depth. But I think the thing that really knocks me out about Blood Rage, it's the combat. I mean, this is a combat game. It's about, you know, killer Vikings. And so the combat in this is nice because it's not just rolling dice. It's actually thoughtful and it's really head to head for those who haven't played the game you don't roll dice, you start, you you maneuver your people into the right place. And based on the number of folks that you have in a space, you have a certain number of combat points. But then the real decision maker in that process is the cards that you play. And there's a whole deck of them with various powers and abilities, which I won't get into, but you really do have to choose wisely. And you can take out an entire army's worth of great stuff on your opponent's side by playing the right card. And they can also turn it back around on you. So there's a lot of really, it's almost like It's almost like a little bit of poker in there trying to figure out what it is your opponent's going to do and then trying to counter it. And that's so nice compared to just rolling a handful of dice. And I think that really sets this game game apart.
0: Yeah, I want to just mention too that I think one of the things that adds to the combat with those cards is that it's a drafting game. And so there's a good chance that if you pass a card, someone else is going to have it. So you're kind of playing mind games of like, okay, I know I passed this plus mm-hmm. six, mm-hmm. but did Chris pick it up or did Adam pick it up? And so when I'm going to combat with Chris, do I have to worry about that plus six coming? Or did Chris actually get the card that said, cancel out all the combat cards that you just played? You know, And so it's like, you have a little bit of information, but not enough to know whether you're making the right decision when you go into that combat. So it's always stressful, always fun. I love this game. And uh, I'm yeah. kind of surprised I made it to number 26 on my list, but it's good. Chris, this is one of the reasons I think you'll love Kemet. The combat is kind
1: of similar here. You got your troops, you add your troop strength, you add the strength of your miniature, or whatever your miniature's special ability be. It might even be cancel out the other miniature's power. And then you have cards. Everyone starts with the same combat deck, but each combat, you discard a card secretly, and then you reveal a card that you want to use. So by the, you know, and then once you discard your entire deck, you gather them all back up and you have your whole deck available to you again so that's a little bit of information you know what somebody used you don't necessarily know what that other discard card is so that's kind of cool and then you can supplement that card that you play that has extra power or extra troop killage or extra health you can supplement that with these other little cards that add to your strength or whatever for that combat so it's that pokery kind of mind games feel that you're playing with the other guys at the table so i think you'd like the combat there yeah i love it
2: i want to play that game so badly now because the one thing that i will say about blood rage that doesn't thrill me it's the theme. I mean, it's not bad, but I'm just not that interested in the idea of killer Vikings. It just doesn't just doesn't get me going. But Kemet it does. I mean, the, you know, Cthulhu standing on top of a of a pyramid. I mean, that's just pretty damn cool, and I really do want to try that. And if it's anything like Blood Rage, I mean, where can you go wrong? Yeah. So, what about you, Tim? Number four.
0: All right, my number four is one that Chris mentioned recently. That's Dune Imperium and uh, dune imperium is my second 2020 game on the list so solid solid year for games a few pretty awesome games came out last year dune just took my breath away the first game we played of it i just loved it i loved every decision of it i love the twists on deck building in here where you know one it, this is the game that kind of replaced underwater cities for me because you have to make a decision which worker placement space do i want to go to and now i have to discard a matching card so it's not the same but it's got enough of the same feel that it pushed UC down. The other thing that I love about it is the reveal phase. So I love that, you know, you got to make that decision every time. Do I spend this card to put a worker to a specific space because then I don't have it for the reveal phase? And then I might not be able to buy that five cost card out of the deck or I may not have that extra swords that I need for the combat. Having to mix your worker placement with the deck building choice and then that reveal at the end. I love that whole phase. I love everything about every round when that's coming up. And then it's capped with just the cherry on top, which is the conflict Phase, which is just a blast every time. It's a blast there's, because of the um the intrigue cards that are available, and because of what uh, swords people have on the reveal. You just don't know what you're walking into at, the, at, at that point, and it just shifts all the time, as highs and lows. <laughs> to be honest, when I was starting to make this list, I kind of expected this to show up just a little bit higher, maybe even one or two, because I really love this game and mm-hmm. I want to play it all the time. But that just goes to show. The quality and and you know the power of the other games that are at the top of my list that you all have to look forward to in the next five minutes <laughs> so that is my number four dune imperium my number three game is pax premier second edition
1: by cole Worley, Worthy the good games i've talked about it it's the beautiful purple box of i think it's called the i don't know what the war is called i'm gonna edit this part out because that's how <laughs> right i but the uh the old conflict in afghanistan <laughs> between Russia and England and the Afghanis themselves. I love the uh, the terracotta or clay bricks, whatever they are, on a map feel. And then you got your spies and tribes also involved. This The spies are meddling around on your court or other people's courts, maybe taking people hostage or doing some assassinations. You have, you're playing these cards. There's the market up top, a tight economy of coins you're using. It's so thematic. It tells a story of a period of time I knew nothing about. But over, it's, a, it's about a country that I spent hours and hours flying above and doing circles around. So it's, it's got a fascinating connection to me. The story is great. The mechanics are great. I, I wish we would play this one all the time. That's my number three, PAX Premier, second edition.
0: PAX Premier is actually on my, to- my list of uh, my top 59 games of all time. Where do you guys think that PAX Premier falls onto that list? Forty two. Oh, you're so close, man. It's forty three. Forty three. Wow. I like Pax Memory a lot. I think it's a I think it's a genius design. And um I've you know, I've never gotten a chance to play it in person. We played on tabletop simulator, probably played six or seven games, eight games, something like that. And I've I found it really interesting every game. I think probably one of the things that just puts it, pushes it down for me a little bit is that online experience. There's so many cards you have to look at, and you got to be looking at the cards in front of you and your opponents, and I just feel like that whole experience would be a lot more fun in person. So it's been a little bit frustrating sometimes, it's been a little bit
2: bogged down, but I think um, I think it's a really cool design.
0: Chris, you haven't played Pax
2: Premier, have you? No, it looks really cool, but I have not played that one. I know you guys have talked about it quite a bit, and it's piqued my interest. Right
0: now. All right, Chris, what's your number three?
2: All right, number three is another no-brainer for me. It is Cthulhu Wars. And all the things that I said about Blood Rage, Cthulhu Wars takes it and ratchets it up about 10 more notches. The theme is amazing. I love Cthulhu. I'm a huge HP Lovecraft fan. The components of this game, I mean, it's almost a caricature of dudes on a map. I mean, the board is the size of a dining room table. The... The minis are the size of a bottle of wine. You know, it's like this crazy, <laughs> this crazy board uh, full of crazy pieces. And that, to me, makes it so amazingly fun. You have to, like, wrap your hand around these gigantic mini components. It's funny saying mini. But another thing that I really love about this game is the tension, as in similar to Blood Rage and some of the other combat-based ga- game games that we've talked about. And one thing that's unique to it amongst the games that I've mentioned is... The truly asymmetric nature of it. Blood Rage, you have four different or six different, whatever it is, tribes that you can belong to for your, your clans of uh, Vikings, but it makes absolutely no difference which one. Cthulhu Wars, it makes all the difference in the world. You have have a completely different strategy if you're playing with one faction versus playing with another, and seeing how they interact in the different rules that apply to them is absolutely mind-blowing. Unfortunately, that also means you have to be a bit of an expert in all the different factions in order to play folks who who do know them. But yeah, if you're willing to play it enough times, that, that evens out. The only downside that I would say about this game is the fact that, unlike Blood Rage, there's not a lot of strategy involved in the actual combat itself. You set yourself up, and then you roll a bunch of dice. I would love to see something like Cthulhu Wars that has... The card-based mechanisms that we have in Blood Rage, and it sounds like Kenneth for combat, and if you you had that, I think you might have my number one game of all time. Yeah,
0: I wanted to mention uh, Cthulhu Wars has one other little downside, and that's that H.P. Lovecraft was a raging racist. But um, beyond that, it's a really fun game. No comment. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> <Fine>. touche. <laughs> um, so my number three is uh, Everdell, which is a game that we've talked about on our show before, and a game that I Talked about how much I love it. This is just a really super fun tactical uh, worker placement engine building tableau building game with a cute theme. Throw the tree away, but the game is fantastic. I love the production. I love the art. I get excited when I walk into a store and I know that my name is sitting in the rule book for one of the expansions. For several of the expansions for this game, I did. I was a play tester on this game, so I have a little extra close spot of you know getting to be involved early with some of the expansion content and testing it out and giving feedback and having something to say about it so i i don't think that's why i rate this higher i just i I love this game even before i got involved with play testing the expansions on it but um it's it's just a game that i've i always look forward to playing i'm always always have a fun time with it so everdell is my number three very nice that's cool they are in the rulebook that's like that's really cool. Dude, I was at a I was at a game store the other day playing doing imperium with some guys that I'd never met before. One of the people at the table is like, Oh, you know, I'd really like to test the Everdell out. It's sitting right there in the game library and he's like, Oh, I, I was like, you know, by the way, I was I'm in the rule book for the expansion. So <laughs> Did you Just, get you it know. out? Did you get out <laughs> and like highlight <laughs> your name? Like, look everybody, it's I <laughs> that's, that's me.
2: <laughs> Tim name dropped himself
0: (laughs) no I did I named myself and then one of the guys is like oh my god I've never felt like less of a nerd than sitting (laughs) (laughs) as he asked for your autograph can I have your
1: autograph please (laughs) (laughs) sign my game that's great all right we onto my my number two bring it all right Adam what's your number two we're down to we're down to two there's a theme here like all my games are things on maps so number two is Irish I got in trouble with this last time clan people that are on a map trying to find a new leader so did i say innis innish is my number two game dude's on a map it's got a cool draft i was gonna say an irish gauge are you talking about irish gauge right now i'm I'm still <laughs> hung
2: up on clan people <laughs> on a know. map innis, yeah.
1: what am i talking about right now clan people on a map looking for a new <laughs> a new
2: leader is what we got here in innis not irish gauge clan people
1: on a train clan people on a train trying to get dividends <laughs> Anyway, this game is beautiful. I love the art. I love the cards. Christian Martinez is the designer of the game. What a great draft. It's direct interaction with the other people at the table, and you're saving up these red, powerful, beautiful cards to make your super move at the end and win the game. That's Ennis. I love it. Chris, what's your number two?
0: Unless Tim has something exciting to say about Ennis. I always have something exciting to say. Come on. No, Ennis is a fun game. Yeah, that's all I'll say about it. It's a fun game. <laughs> did, did. It didn't make my top uh, 59 games, I don't think, but it's, mm. it's a game I like notable notably left <laughs> out of your list all right chris Innis, what do you have for number 2
2: i don't like it that much i don't understand all the hype <laughs> but i will tell you that my number 2 is tapestry which we've already heard a little bit about tonight and to me there was no shocker that this game was at the top of my list or near the top of my list the thing that's really kind of shocking to me is that it's hard to say exactly why. I mean, it is not the kind of game that I would normally jump on. It's very much a, I don't even, I'm not even sure what the right word is. It's not exactly resource. It's sort of work replacement, sort of resource, not really resource management, but it's, you know, the civilization building piece of it is really interesting, but it, it's not the kind of thing I would normally gravitate toward. So I put some thought into it. Like, what is it that I love about this game? And Obviously, there is, you know, there's quality to the gameplay. It's got great components and it's a really nice production. But I think if I had to narrow it down, the one thing about this game that just absolutely knocks me out is I so love the technology tracks in this game, which really are the centerpiece of the game. And for whatever reason, these are just so exciting to me that it makes it makes me willing to play this game anytime. I've never gotten bored of it never played a game that i wasn't completely engaged in and completely thrilled with and i think a lot of that has to do with as you get higher up the technology tracks you get these huge explosion moments when things exciting things happen and it's cliche almost to say this because i've said it so many times playing that game and probably on this podcast but when you go to space and then these huge benefits pop up or you know at any of the tracks you get to the end and you start reaping these huge rewards and it's thrilling it is it is truly the definition of a thrilling moment in a board game and i think that alone coupled with strong production and strong gameplay in other ways as well just really made this one stand out for me and i just love playing it so much so that it made number 2 on my list but you Tim
0: i love tapestry too oh you want my number 2 all right cool my number 2 is Gaia Project, which we uh, just talked about a few weeks ago because we were discussing the BGG top 10. But yeah, when I was thinking about what games I want to be playing, this is this is one of the tops. And, you know, Chris, when we were playing, when we were going through that last episode and you mentioned Gaia Project and you said, but it just does the same thing that a lot of other games do. And I, I think they do them better. Here's what I think Gaia Project does that's really unique for me. It has a fun theme. It has asymmetry in the factions, which are fun to play about. But what's unique about this game is that it sets up your scoring goals differently every game. Each round, there's a different scoring tile in that round, meaning like you might get three points for placing a mine or you might get five points for placing one of the advanced buildings, or you might get four points for building a federation, or whatever, you can plan throughout the game, okay, by round six, I need to be set up to build my academy because that's when I'm going to get the point trigger on it. And in round three, I want to be building lots of mines. So I'm going to set myself up to do that. And it's just so fun that every game, you kind of have to change the momentum and the pacing and focus on different things at different times. But if you focus too much in the first round, You're not going to have any of the resources you need to do this other thing in the second round because it's got so much give and pull in the resource in the economy that you're dealing with in your own player board because if you build this bigger building, you're taking your mind off the mat. You're going to get less of that type of resource in the next round. So everything about it is just such a fun, interesting puzzle to me about can I just pull out one or two actions that will give me points in this round? It's kind of stingy with points. You know, There are other places to get it, but a lot of your points come from those round actions and it's just such a cool puzzle to play. There's nothing random in the, in the game. Like, other than that setup, there's nothing. There's no dice rolling. There's no card deck that you're drawing from. So at the beginning of the game, you can see everything that's in the game and what your goals are going to be. And you're going to get messed with a little bit by where other players put their buildings, which planets they settle, which p- planets get Gaia formed. But for the most part, you're just playing against this variable setup and trying to optimize against it. And I just, I love that puzzle. So every time I think about this game, I want to be playing it and I, I hope to get Plays in the very near future. We'll see if that happens.
1: Well, that's one thing. Too. I think people are the random in that game. So you do have the variable setup, but then you know there's yeah. the race to the the little green cubes, or like is someone going to take this bonus, or someone going to take that bonus before right. you can get it. So there's a little bit, yeah, the right. It's all open information, but you know you might not be able to get what you want to do. Right. That's
0: right. Yeah. There's definitely some interaction racing up the tracks. Who can get up the tracks faster? Who can get some of the bonuses in the right. last couple of rounds faster? And how are they playing? You know, how well are they optimizing that you're competing against? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, it's it's just fun. It's a fun puzzle. That's a cool game. Cool. So, Adam, let's go.
1: Number one. Well, here by we number are. Number one, you, I'm sure you guys can guess, is Dune Imperium. That's by Paul Denon. Who's the publisher? Did we say it already? The Direwolf dire Studios. Wolf? Yeah. Paul Denon, Direwolf Studios, Dune Imperium. Every time I play, I just find something new, some new strategy to go, some new cards that combo with each other. It's been so many tense, exciting endings when it comes down to that last combat. And somebody will bust out a tiebreaker card, or somebody will bust out the two more points for having the most worms, or somebody has the, you know, up the most points, up the most tracks at level three or level four on four different tracks, and get that last couple bonus points, and it's just a, you know, you feel like you've accomplished something if your deck all links together by the end of that game, and you're just rattling off exactly what you want to do. Such a rewarding feeling, such a fun race, such a tense race to that 10 points. That's why an
0: Imperium is my number one game as of right now. Quick note, that's our only triple crossover so far. So if if Chris or I don't mention another game that uh, the other two people have shared, then that may be our only triple crossover. But great game, Adam. I'm not surprised to see it on your number one. And I'm kind of surprised it wasn't mine, to be honest. But it's a cool game.
2: Hmm.
0: All right, Chris, what do you have? Number one.
2: So my number one is in a way completely unsurprising and yet completely surprising because it didn't even bait. Well, going back for a second, based on the model, it didn't even come out in my top 10. And this is one of those ones I was talking about at the beginning. Oh, I know what it is. Okay. I think I know what it is. So, so yeah, well, yes, I know you do. It's I, I bet you can get it. it's so situational. But in the end, when I taught when I thought about A game is a relationship. (laughs) This game had to come out as number one in its star realms. Yeah. And the reason why it's so hard to put that one at number one, so counterintuitive, is because it's a 15-minute deck-building game. But in reality, that game is my first true love with gaming, and it's still exciting. There is not a single day that goes by that I do not play Star Realms. On the app mostly, because that just happens to be the easiest way to do it. And because it's got a particularly nice app. But I've come close to 10,000 games on it. <laughs> Tim and I have like almost 2,000 games together. So I, sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and the first thing I'll do is check out where you know where I am in a game. And I'm it's time to take a move. <laughs> and it's the last thing I'll do before I go to bed at night is check and see what games do I still have to take moves in in Star Realms. And that is every single doggone day of my life. My wife has actually expressed concern that I was playing it too much at some points. And this, has n- <laughs> and this has never changed since the day I started playing it. It's not a big game you bust out for an epic game night or an epic game weekend, but it is one that I want to play every single day. There's no fat in this game. There's nothing that's done poorly. It's like the board game version of a Swiss watch. And I, I never get bored and I want to play it. Every single day, I don't know how it could be anything other than number one on my list.
1: Chris and Tim, you guys introduced me to this. I felt that excitement. This game's gone from off my radar to number 12 of my favorite games. Every time I play it, we've had some epic battles, Chris. Like I can see your passion for the game. You you make some amazing moves. I'm taking notes when I play you. It's just fun learning about this game. And There's a, a progression, like going through the campaign, even you learn, oh, I can do this. I can do this. I didn't think about that. But you get a sense of progression and growing and you get better at the game. And it's just it's just a great, fantastic game.
2: And I want to thank you guys for introducing me to it. Yeah, thanks for playing with us. And
0: it is on my top 59 games of all time list as well. Top
2: 59 just <laughs> what were you we going to say? But no, it's, it's my number
0: 25. So it's pretty high on my list. And it, I agree, Chris, this was a hard one on PubMeeple. So it, it fell into 25, you know, when I was doing that side by side comparison But the reality is, is that that's because usually if I'm thinking about wanting to play a game, I want to sit down and play an epic one to three hour game. And so when it's comparing against other things, you know, it even took a hit for that. But still 25 is pretty high for my list. And everything in my top 30 are games that I just absolutely love. It's a wonderful streamlined, just a perfect example of a quick, simple dock builder that uh, I would love to play anytime
1: did you have res arcana
0: yeah res arcana did end up on my list was it
1: higher or lower than i
0: think these games like res arcana
1: race for the galaxy star realms and you know they all kind of
0: yeah res arcana ended up a little bit higher one star realms i might be a little burnt out on after several thousand plays (laughs) but also res arcana just has a little bit more going on and i haven't i haven't gotten to explore it as much as i want to so i could see res arcana probably getting tired after a little while
2: so i feel like after you know talking about star realms you kind of have to drop the mic but i think tim still got one left and we probably ought to hear what it is
0: this is the most recent game that i was introduced to on this list so it's not a it's not a brand new game it's been out for a few years but it's new to me i just learned it uh, i don't know two months ago a month and a half ago and this is anachrony i
2: knew it i
0: knew it wow this is anachrony <laughs> by david turksy and mind clash games yeah, I love this game. It's it does everything that I love. If you look at the rest of my list, it's a whole bunch of resource management and worker placement and heavy mid to heavy thematic euros and inacrity does it better than all of them. And today that's the game that I want to play more than anything else.
1: I thought this game was cool enough for you a little bit. Was is that did I get the wrong impression?
0: No, I don't it's not cooling off for me. I think probably where you got that from is I told you after seven or eight plays, it 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 felt like it didn't do enough unique to stand out to be in BGD's top 10 of all time because it it is very much a worker placement game. But I love worker placement. And this just does so many cool things about it. It it what's cool about it, I think, is I was thinking about it is that it turns from a worker placement game where you're competing with other people for spots, but a lot of that is to build up your own personal buildings in your city. And all of a sudden it turns from halfway to, you know, two-thirds of the way through the game. It turns from, hey, I'm doing less worker placement against other people and more tableau using my tableau that i've built up throughout the game and so it kind of combines a whole bunch of different mechanisms that i just love in strategy and planning and it's just got such great art great theme great components it's just like the full package for me and right now you know that's what i want to be playing so it's not not super original as far as the base mechanisms of worker placement but it just takes every part of worker placement adds layers and upon layers but make it um you know fairly intuitive and streamlined enough that even though it feels like there's a lot going on there I feel like I could teach the game in 15 minutes and it would and we could jump in and start running it so I think it's just a excellent example of a modern
1: modern board game. Well, I'm glad it went from my hands to your hands in a seamless transition. I had a great time playing this game. Clearly you're giving it much more love than I would have given it. It did make my top 20. So I've only gotten to play it the weekend I was there at your place, and I absolutely loved it. But I've only had the uh, you know couple chances there to play it. So what a cool game! You're like everything you said, you nailed it. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. Yeah,
2: I was waiting for that to show up. I mean, you guys have talked about that game so much recently that I was I, I didn't expect it to be at number one. <laughs> I so either. I was I was getting ready to like Tim, where was Anacrity in your list? And then sure <laughs> enough, there it was at number one. Yeah, it uh,
0: it surprised me a little bit, but not too much. I, I I've really loved everything I've done with it, and every time I I had uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak out on my table for the last week as I got it new, and I've been playing some solo games of it. And every time I finished, I'm like, man, I, maybe I should just put this away and play Anachrony instead. And kept kept it out. I finally put away Lost Ruins. I think Anachrony coming back out in the next couple of days. So. so wait, Lost Ruins was notably not in your top 10. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's funny. I wanted to mention that because last week, or two weeks ago when we reviewed Lost Ruins, we talked about how did that compare versus Dune. And you said you liked Dune more, and Steve said he liked Lost Ruins more. And I said, yeah, it's a push for me. Um, and I I think it is because I said it's based on player count but the reality is I'd much rather be playing games with three or four friends than playing games solo and usually even Um, Mm two-player it's rare that I like a two-player experience more than I like playing with three or four people Dune really just gives a bigger more fun more epic experience because that's how I'm going to be playing it is with a with a group of three or four good friends or even not good friends and just you know more <laughs> more conflict more competition more surprises um and i love that you can just tell me i'm not one of your good friends right <laughs> i now. was i, I like, was talking about so the random so people that. i played with at the game store last week <laughs> but uh no but you guys are you guys are the best the best of friends um so yeah that's that's why i lost ruins did not making it my list but it's pretty high i think it ended up at like number four yeah 13 okay
1: well tim any um honorable mentions like chris had his 10 point One point, subsection two, what 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 was just outside of your top 10?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm going to mention a couple things that surprised me showing up in the top 20. Um, One is, number 11 for me was actually Rajas of the Ganges. Oh, wow. Not the Dice Charmers, not the dice game that I know well and love very much, but I have not been able to get out of my head the worker placement Rajas of the Ganges, the original Inca and Marcus brand design. I love it. I I wish I had people that wanted to play it with me or that it was exciting enough Mm -hmm. because Even if I bought it and brought it to a local game store, it's it's just not fresh enough. It's not exciting to people. I'll never get it played, but I absolutely love that game. It surprised me to show up on 11, but as I was comparing it against tons of other games that I love, I wanted to be playing this one more. So for right now, that's how high it is. So that was a surprise. And then the other one I'll just mention really quickly was um, number 17, which was a game that I bought, that I had, enjoyed a lot. Chris didn't like it, so I got rid of it. And it's number 17 on my list. And it's a game called Hyperborea. This is an interesting mix of kind of dudes on a map. It's not really resource management. It's a bag builder, actually, kind of more like Orleone. It is, uh, it's is—it's a really interesting game. I don't know. That's another game that's just stuck with me for a lot of years. And I wish I'd kept it. And it's funny. When I sold it, I, I basically gave it away with a bunch of other games. Amazon must have had like an overstock or some stored because you could pick it up for like 20 bucks at the time and then it's out of print and nobody's reprinting it like it it, it wasn't that popular of a game i wish i picked it up or i wish i hadn't sold mine even better because now it's like you can pay 90 bucks for it and get it on the aftermarket and if i see it for about 10 <laughs> right and play the board game market like this guy i think if i see it for like 30 40 bucks at some point again if it if it gets another printing i think i'll pick it up because i i love that game but i was kind of surprised to see how high it made it on my list maybe it's just absence but i um i really enjoyed my plays of that and the the planning that went into it. So thanks, Chris, for <laughs> talking to me out of keeping on me you know, we'll keep it on time. Bad what judgment. about you, Adam? What uh
1: what any surprises? No surprise. I feel like I left something off on accident or, you know, there something slipped my mind. We'll see. You know, this list is it's not going on my tombstone or anything. <laughs> Just outside of my top ten, I had brass Birmingham, Star Realms, which was kind of surprise okay to see how high that had risen, but that <laughs> game is friggin' sweet. I have Pan Am on there. I don't know how much I believe these. I have Pan Am on there uh, just because I haven't gotten to play it enough. I think I feel like I want to play that more and more and more. And it's quick and, yeah. and uh, poignant. Dice thrown on there. I'm kind of new to that. It's pretty light. That's kind of, uh, that's probably not even real. That game's super fun. I don't know if it's a 14, but that's up there. And then one game I would like to play more is the original Dune, but it's tough. You need, you know, five or six players to make it good. But that game cool. It has an auction. It's, you know, all these kind of troops on a map fighting for spice and spice worms i love the theme and then the game's just wacky and cool and it has a lot of things going on so those are games are just you know that's 10 through or 11 through 15
2: on my list when you say the original dune adam are you talking about like the original 1979 dune yeah the board game um i think
1: it was 79 published so wow. like old school old school Dune. they they did a re-release and you can still get it for like 35 40 bucks it's out. One thing that makes it tough is that no one knows what rules to play by. There's all these different are they house rules? Even the you know, the book is like, Well, I don't know, it depends if you want to play advanced rules or regular <laughs> rules, but who wants to play boring rules? Do you wanna play advanced rules? And there's all these different like, oh, or if we're gonna do double spice blow, then do you have to play spice or troops <laughs> in combat? And all these stupid questions that come up and make it a little very
0: fiddly to play with. I'm looking at the original nineteen seventy nine production of this game and it's it's freaking hilarious. <laughs> it's like our work on this is just amazing. Yeah. It's cool. Badass, man. <laughs> no, cool. Cool like a 1970s pinball machine, <laughs> basically. <laughs> So Chris, what about you? Uh, you, you gave us your, uh, your top 25 already, but um, anything that surprised you in, in the list that you put together that you know showed up higher or lower than you were expecting?
2: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Adam, that there's nothing that was really a surprise, but there were a few that kind of fell right outside that could have gotten up to that 10 spot. I mean, I kind of gave you the the cluster of things that may or may not have made it into the top 10 when I told you my number 10 already, but there was a few others that I think deserve honorable mention. One is Godspeed. I've been enjoying playing that since getting the Kickstarter. We played it a couple times and we did the episode on it. Uh, both of the Clank games that I've played Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated was, I mean, an absolutely phenomenal experience. And I love playing the uh, Clank in space. I think that's a terrific mm-hmm. game as well. And Adam already mentioned Pan Am. That's another one that I feel like I'd love to play right now. And it's just, you know, any, I'll take that out any time. And I couldn't quite fit it into the right place in my brain to get it into the top 10, but it certainly, you know, it's, it it could hold its own with any of those games in the top 10 as well.
0: Guys, we're going to do this again next year. And, uh, well, let's assume that we're still hanging out and chatting a year from now on this podcast. Big assumption. But (laughs) (laughs) if we are, we're going to save the date and we're going to do it exactly a year from now. Biggest guess, which game on your list is not going to be on your list next year? hmm i was gonna ask a similar question which you know do you see any games rising up
1: my guess would be something like the expanse if i played that three or four more times i could see it being a bust soul if i get to play that a few more yeah i think it's gonna stay there still captivating me probably won't get to play it enough so it'll probably still be there I don't know what about Chris, you got any, uh, anything lined up for that?
2: Yeah, and that's hard to say. I think one thing I can say with almost absolute certainty is that Star, Realm, Star Realms will still be at the top of my list because I can't see any reason why it would move. And, and most of my top games, I think, were probably going to be similar to where they are now with the possible exception of Tapestry. Because like I said before, I, I have a hard time explaining exactly why I love it so much. And I imagine if we played a few more games of it, that could that has the possibility of getting old. I, I thought a little bit about what you guys said on Dune, and I, had, I think I, what I had said was that I thought that was a game that did have the possibility of wearing out a little bit. But the more I think about it, the more I think that the gameplay mechanics are so solid that I don't see why it would. But Tapestry, I think, may drop down the list. I'm not sure it'll drop off, but I think it'll drop down.
1: Tim, what about for you? Anything you see uh, falling off or going retired to your Hall of Fame?
0: yeah i mentioned underwater cities has definitely been dropping for me in the last year pretty drastically i would say even in the last few months just the way i feel about it i think and i think dune imperium has really had a big impact on that because the thing i loved about it has kind of been replaced clink i would not be surprised that that would fall off because further distance from that legacy experience if i don't get the chance to do another campaign with somebody and i probably won't there's a good chance that that just won't be on my mind anymore and hopefully. Hopefully we discover another half dozen amazing games that are fighting for that top ten list by the next year. Or so I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of this changes, but those are the those are the couple. Uh Beyond the Sun will also surprise me if it's still on my list, to be honest. Because it surprised me so much to show up this time, I'm still having a hard time believing that that, that beat out of like the next twenty games that I love so much. So we'll see it with some more plays of it and you know, if the expansion adds something to keep it fresh enough, but I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't stick around either. Cool, cool. Alright, well, I think that will probably wrap us up. It's midnight on the dot here, so why don't we call it a night? If you uh, enjoyed the show, hit us up on social media. You can find us on Twitter at BG underscore Hot Takes, or you can find us on Facebook at Board Game hot takes, and you can email me at Tim at BoardGameHotTakes.com if you want to give us any comments on the the stuff we talked about today. If you uh, want to disagree with us on the best games of all time, um, or just want to let us know that you've been listening, uh, we appreciate that. So until next week, take care, everybody. Good night,
2: all. Bye bye.